The famous theologian Blaise Pascal once said, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing. This hole in our souls leads us to futile attempts to fill it. Addicts try to fill it with drugs or alcohol, which is why many addicts start with alcohol or marijuana, but eventually move on to scarier substances like meth. They are chasing a high that's eternity-sized. <laughs> Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. Just a heads up, this episode contains content that may not be appropriate for our younger listeners. I'm Timothy Gregory, and the man in our story is chasing a high that can never be satisfied. But that doesn't stop him from trying trying everything he can think of. But what happens when he hits rock bottom? Will he finally admit he needs help outside himself? That's what we're diving into in this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we are going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for an exciting prize. But first, let's get to it, folks. The first part in the true story of Rodney Williams. like a drowned rat. What took you so long? It's after midnight, man. I told my mom I was sick and went to bed. Then I had to wait until everyone was asleep to sneak out the back. You shouldn't have to sneak out to a graduation party. Hey, where's the booze? I gotta catch up. Hey, watch those corners, Betty. She's trying to get me home. In one piece, man. All that rain, we're hydroplaning. Chill out, Rodney boy. Enjoy the ride. Slow down. There's a lake on the road. Slow down! The man in this story came from a loving family that went to church. But that didn't save him from the ravages of the world. Join us for the first part of the true testimony of Rodney Williams, right now on Unshackled. My parents struggled to make a living in Pascagoula, Mississippi, where I was born in 1964. When I was nearly four years old, a friend of the family abused me. Too afraid and too ashamed to tell my folks, I kept the dark secret hidden from everyone. I knew about God from Sunday school, and I felt that he understood my shame. At the age of six, I would gather the neighborhood kids and tell them Bible stories like my teachers at church. Look at Rodney out there, sitting in that old oak tree. What's he doing? Oh, he's telling Bible stories to the neighborhood kids. At six years old? I'm proud to be his daddy. <laughs> Isn't he the cutest thing? <laughs> he gives them candy when he thinks they have the right answers. Where'd he get the candy? Oh, he saved it from Halloween. The nagging shame of the abuse eroded my thoughts about God. By the age of nine, I was hanging out with older boys who cursed and lied, so I did too, to fit in. I 
kept asking God to help me change and to forgive me. But finally I gave up. God, I'm tired of fighting it. Tired of letting you down. I'm just not strong enough to do your will. When I get older and stronger, I'll come back. <laughs> Want a drink, Rod? Sure. My folks don't drink or smoke, so don't y'all expect to come to my house with this stuff. <laughs> When'd you first smoke pot? Uh, last year at camp. Camp? Yeah. Uh, every summer I go for a week. Last year, Billy Joe came up with his older brother, and he invited me to the woods where we lit a joint. Oh, man, I was dizzy. <laughs> Knocked the alarm clock off the table when I climbed to the top bunk. <laughs> Here's your drink, dude. Try not to knock anything over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I excelled in sports and played football until my sophomore year when I saw my older brother get carried off the field and go through surgery for torn ligaments. After that, I focused on karate, because it eased my insecurities. I kept going to church with my folks, but only on a social basis. I skipped school so I could party with friends, and I failed first semester and had to double up second semester. One month before graduation, I went down the road to a party at a friend's house. Driving drunk, she crashed into a telephone pole. I woke up in the hospital. You're lucky to be alive, Rod. You have two broken legs. Oh, man. Two broken legs? Your right femur is broken in three places, honey. And your ankle is held together with pins and screws. Did my friends make it? Barely. One of them's in a coma. Which one? Honey, at first they thought he was dead. He insisted on riding shotgun. Or it could have been me. They said Betty was thrown from the car. She just has a broken collarbone. But they had to cut you and Ronnie out with the jaws of life. Took an hour. Oh, I tried to tell her to slow down. I thought you were in bed, asleep. You lied to us, Rodney. You said you were sick. I didn't want to miss the party, Mom. Oh, you could have died. The deputy said that telephone pole almost cut the car in two. Well, I guess God was protecting me, Mom. My friend stayed in a coma for six months. And today, his mother still cares for his broken body. Teachers brought final exams to my house, helping me graduate in a wheelchair. Then, days after graduation, a friend took me for a ride. He had a bag of marijuana in the back seat along with my wheelchair, and we were stoned. We talked about an accident that killed one of our friends. Right along here is where Gator hit the dump truck that was broken down alongside the road. Wonder why he didn't see it. Well, I think he fell asleep. I didn't see it happen, but I came along right afterward and stopped. He was pinning the car and we couldn't get him out. He was still alive? Yeah. We listened to him scream as the car burned. It was horrible. Oh, what a way to go. There ain't any good way, Rod. Hey, look out! An oncoming car slid into our lane and crashed into us, flipping us over onto azalea bushes. I ended up in the back seat on top of my wheelchair. Smoke was coming from under the hood of the car. Are you all right? I think so. Well, you better get out. The car's gonna blow. Come on. Come on. Get out. Quick, hey, stay back. The car's gonna blow. Help me. Come on. I can't walk. Bystanders carried me out of harm's way until paramedics came. Three months later, when the cast came off, 
One of my legs was shorter than the other, and I walked with a limp, deflating my ego. However, I received a total of $100,000 from insurance companies for both accidents. Because I wasn't yet 21, my mother was named trustee. Stop asking for money, Rod. Your allowance is enough. I need a car, Ma. I can't get around without one. You need to get your life straightened out. It's my money. Oh, you just blow everything on drugs. Your dad and I aren't fooled. You have no right to withhold money for a car. How am I going to get around to college, huh? All right, we'll help you get a car. But you're not going to get any extra to waste. You just squander it. I'm fed up with begging you for my own money. You're so irresponsible. I'm going to go live with someone else. <laughs> I moved in with my alcoholic uncle and hired a lawyer who made my brother my legal guardian. I spent my monthly allowance on drugs and washed the pain pills down with alcohol. My uncle and I went to the Greyhound dog races, where I won $1,200. Soon, gambling became another addiction. I started college, but my heart was not on learning. My last year of junior college, I turned 21 and gained control of my money. But drugs controlled me. Oh, this is your new sports car ride. Yeah, you like it? Oh, yeah. It's a beauty. I paid cash. <laughs> well, I heard you finally got the insurance money. And I heard you had some good stuff I should try. Yeah? Let's go somewhere so you can try it. It isn't mushroom tea, is it? I tried that last year and about croaked. <laughs> oh, man, we were spaced out. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, one guy flipped out and stayed locked in his room for three days. Oh, that was it for me. Yeah, this is way better ride. What I got will send you out of this world. The new drug was cocaine, and I was soon hooked. Three days after buying my new car, I wrecked it 50 yards from the dorm. By the time I finished junior college, I had spent nearly all the money I'd received. Then, I went home where I began dating a beautiful girl. We loved each other when we married, but my addictions overwhelmed me. I was broke and working for minimum wage for an air conditioning company when our son was born. The craving to be high would swell up inside me until I thought I would burst. The smallest argument caused me to explode, and out I went like a raging bull, sometimes for days. Who's there? I thought I heard something. What are you doing here, Rod? Uh, I just wanted to talk. Talk or steal? Oh, that's a fine way to greet your son. A real son wouldn't sneak into the house. You're drunk, and who knows what else? So? What's wrong with you? Why are you this way? I'll tell you what's wrong with me. One of your friends abused me when I was little. You didn't protect me. Why didn't you stop him, huh? Why didn't you? Rod, you, you should have told us. Oh. Rodney? We never knew, son. Folks, we'll get back to Rodney's perilous journey in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry, through your help, is sharing the good news all around the globe. Unshackled is now in its 73rd year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. 
Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we are able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there is one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check to Unshackled and mail it to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the true story of Rodney Williams. My parents were devastated to hear what had happened to me. No matter what kind of drugs I used, I couldn't get over the shame and horror of the abuse. All of this was destroying my life and my marriage. What'd you tell your wife? <laughs> we're going coon hunting. <laughs> Doubt if we catch any. Oh, I wish I had money to buy some cocaine. Hey, let's hit the Greyhound track in Mobile. Uh, maybe we'll get lucky. I better stop and pick up a bottle on the way. Long drive. And I'm already thirsty. No one ever mentions how much they lose at gambling. But that night, we won $300 at the track. We headed straight to our dealer's house to buy cocaine. He didn't have any, but he left to go get some. We didn't realize what he sold us that night was not cocaine, but methamphetamine. <sighs> Man! That stuff burns my nose. Yeah, but I'm really high, so who cares? <laughs> it's almost dawn, so the coon hunting should be over. <laughs> we better head home. Oh, the coke's almost gone here. Let me finish it off. <sighs> oh. Right, my, my heart's about to tear out my chest. <sighs> oh, great, huh? <laughs> oh, this is some of the best cocaine I've ever done. <laughs> What are you doing, Rod? Oh, I must have blacked out for a second. You ran through a ditch, dude. Oh, my heart is beating so fast. I think I'm dying. We better get to the hospital. Let me drive. He turned on the flashers and sped to the nearest hospital, running all the red lights and telling me to hold on. When we arrived, he parked outside the emergency entrance. Uh, Rod, if you go in there, the police will get involved. Uh, we could lose our families. Uh, I could lose my business. What do you want me to do? Croak right here? I'm having a heart attack. Uh, uh, let me help you out the car. Uh, maybe the fresh air will help. Uh, wait for me. Uh, oh, the pain. My heart. Oh, I can't walk. Uh, here, uh, lie against the hood of the car uh, and rest a while. I lay on the hood of the car until the pain diminished. Then my friend took me home where I lied to my wife. That was the second time I nearly overdosed on drugs. The first time my friends dumped me in my front yard after they couldn't rouse me. My wife divorced me. I was relieved because I knew the evil force killing me would also destroy them if they stayed. Her father had gotten me a good job at a chemical plant, so I had money for my new addiction, LSD and ecstasy. Hello? Rod? <clears throat> yeah? Oh, 
Well, you're never home. I I'm surprised to catch you at this time in the evening. I was sleeping, Ma. I try to sleep for an hour after work. Well, why? So I can party all night? Oh, I can't believe the life you lead. You're killing yourself. Well, we all have to die sometime. Well, <laughs> I bought you a burial plot. Oh, way to go, Mom. You're killing yourself with drugs, son. Please, stop it. I was an insecure failure, and I was trying to destroy the part of me I hated. The boy who wouldn't obey God. The man who couldn't function normally. Then one day, my ex-wife dropped by with my son. I hadn't seen him in months, and seeing him gave me a desperate kind of hope. So I went to church. This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Sound like anyone you know? Maybe yourself? You see, folks, the Bible says we are all sinners. There is none righteous. No, not one. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Galatians chapter 3, verse 22. Yes, we are all sinners. But the cross of Jesus Christ is the symbol of God's love and grace, where he sent his only son to die in our place for our sins. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I went forward and made promises to God that I couldn't keep because I didn't understand that a transformation was necessary to become a child of God. I moved in with my parents and found a Bible study. Every day I searched the scriptures trying to hang on. I kept going to church, but I still drank and used drugs, withholding my all from God. My job went bankrupt, so I went to junior college to learn air conditioning. When my unemployment checks ended, I prayed and got a job at a nearby Air Force base. A year and a half passed. Why the long face, son? Nothing is working out like I hoped it would. Now how can you say that? You finished school and God helped you get a good full-time job. Yeah, but he didn't give me back my family. My ex is... Did you ask her? Yeah. She's through giving me chances. She said, sometimes you can hurt people to the point that they become numb and love dies. She said on moving on with her life. Oh, I'm sorry, Rodney. I tried so hard to live right. My wife remarried and had other children. My depravity soared as I gambled, drank, and used more drugs than ever. I brawled constantly and ended up in jail repeatedly. Sued for assault, I filed for bankruptcy. Friends died of overdose and accidents, yet I carried on, indifferent to the slime I wallowed in. I even got involved in drug trafficking, running drugs from state to state. When I missed work, I called with outrageous excuses. Hey, is everything okay, Rod? 
You said your dad was pretty sick, and, well, everyone at work is asking about him. Uh, he died. He died? Oh, Rod. Uh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Uh, look, uh, you go ahead and, and, and take care of things. Come in when you can. I came close to death many times because of drugs and alcohol or stupidity, but I wanted to die when I returned to work and they gave me a sympathy card with money inside. By the way, my dad wasn't dead. The shame drove me to my mom and she took me to the hospital where I went through rehab. Wanting to be straight, I worked the program for a year. Then I fell deeper than ever into meth. Meth addicts don't mingle. They're too paranoid. Girls surrender their bodies. Everyone steals from anyone. No one can be trusted. Meth addicts lose weight along with their teeth. Parents recruit children. Children recruit playmates. Demons are in control. Pull the trigger! Go on, shoot him! Don't shoot, Ryan! Please, don't shoot! Kill him! Kill him! He deserves that! I don't want to die, Ryan! Please, don't shoot! You have 15 minutes to come up with the pills, or I'm gonna kill you! I don't know where they are! I swear! Everyone else was gone except you! Well, maybe she took them when, when she left! She said she left them here, and now they're gone, so you took them! Where are they? I don't know! I swear! He's lying! Shoot him! Thank God I didn't listen to the demons in my head. Instead, I shot a picture on the wall. I had learned to cook meth in order to satisfy my growing addiction. But cooks consume more of the poison than anyone, and I teetered on the brink of a nervous breakdown. It was the year 2000, and in the midst of my corruption, my sister's husband, a deputy sheriff, was killed in a line of duty. Some funeral today, huh? Yeah. Never seen so many cops lying on the road. Thought they were after me at first. <laughs> I seen the crowds, but you were in the procession, huh? Yeah. I heard he was a hero. Yeah. You're the real hero, buddy. Cooking up their good stuff for us. Shut up, will you? I gotta concentrate. My brother-in-law had been everything I wasn't. Honest and hardworking. He loved his family and worked three jobs to support them while I had abandoned mine. I was a sorcerer, a meth cook who was headed for hellfire, yet a dim light shone in my soul. So I went to my mom. Rod, what's wrong? You look terrible. Can I come in, Mom? Well, sure, sure. You're on drugs again, aren't you? You're skin and bones. I need help, Mom. I lost my home, my government job, and my family. Now I, I think I'm losing my mind. Why can't you leave that stuff alone? I'm addicted, Mom. Rehab didn't help. I don't know what to do. I've heard of a Christian place where you can go. I'll try anything. I went to that Christian rehabilitation camp. There, at last, I received rest and food. I went to Bible classes each day, but in my dreams at night, I was still cooking meth. 
was a rebel and thought I knew more than the teachers or the preacher. Jesus said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. It's that simple. What are his commandments? In Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, he said, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. That's what our Lord said. If you love him, keep his commandments. Folks, his commandments are not difficult. Love God, love others. And you can't do that in your own strength. That's why God gives us his Holy Spirit when we're born again. He loves them through us and we love them through him. Do you want to be free? Do you want to start anew? It was Friday and I set out to correct that preacher. Instead, I took off walking back to the pig pen of my past. A friend let me stay with him, but I didn't feel welcome. Fear gripped my life because I really wanted to be free of this addiction, but I was trapped. He had a small trailer where we cooked meth. Where is everything? I had a stockpile of stuff here. Charlie stole it. You let him? How was I gonna stop him? You got a gun, don't you? So does he. I was gonna make a batch of meth. Calm down, Rod. No, don't tell me to calm down. I ain't gonna calm down. I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna take my shotgun and kill him. I waited outside the guy's house with my shotgun, but I never saw him. We got more ingredients and cooked our poison from a solid to a liquid. The next night, I went back to my friend's trailer to cook the meth. We kept the door locked for security, and there was no ventilation. The fumes gathered. I was releasing smoke into the flammable liquid, watching the meth drop, and the fumes ignited. Next week, we'll hear the conclusion of Rodney's story and the fiery explosion that rocked his world. Don't wait until then, listening friend, to face up to your own precarious existence. None of us knows how much time we have on Earth. Are you prepared to face God? Your best efforts won't be enough. Only the blood of Christ is accepted in heaven. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. If you need help in making this life-changing decision for Christ, we encourage you to call 1-888-NEED-HIM, or you can get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions, and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org. Or you can leave us a message at 312-281-1264. Now, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. It really helps us out. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. 
And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the prize for the sweepstakes contest is yet another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and 6, which reads, The day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. This plaque is beautiful, folks, and it would make a great everyday reminder of God's perfect promises. Unfortunately, we are only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. That's your name, your phone number, and email. The deadline to enter the drawing will be December 2nd, and we will announce the winner on December 18th just in time to be a great Christmas gift. We look forward to hearing from you. And next time... Meth addiction is rampant in many places because the drug is, well, simple, but not safe. The fumes are so deadly, authorities use hazmat suits when they go into meth houses to clean up after the criminals. <laughs> Rodney Williams nearly lost his life making meth when the fumes ignited, starting a fire that still burns. Somebody help me! Rodney! Help! Get on the ground, Rodney! The fire will go out if you get on the ground! Rodney! Hey, Blue! Run and fetch a blanket! We gotta get him to the hospital! This is the story of his reversal. Lord, please... Please forgive me. Don't miss the conclusion of the true testimony of Rodney Williams, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Rodney Williams Part 1 were Brian Plaharchik, Lisa Keith, Tom Geich, Charlie Babo, Steve Bayorgian, and Demetrius Troy. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Jacob Wilcoxon. Audio engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Kenitha Gabler. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>